Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbonnell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. I don't want anyone to lose step with intensity and to be in the fringes of what God is doing centrally so that you miss out on quantums of impartation that radically change us in our time and you feel that you're in the fringes and in a sense have to catch up to the download of what God is stressing. You must, you must always try to keep in step and I say this very, very seriously. So, two things. I've made available free of charge a CD as you walked in. That CD has got 10 tracks. First up on that track is the prophecy that Sean gave to the house that everybody must familiarize themselves with, right? You must familiarize because it speaks to our prophetic destiny. So if God is saying one thing, we mustn't do another. The prophecy gives us some bearing, some emphasis, something to look forward to, to the future. Amen? I played almost daily in my car. The best listening I get to sermons is while I'm driving. Because you get a lot of listening time in, okay? So please rehearse the prophecy. That's track one, right? Then track two to track seven contains the first six parts of Pastor Thamo's present series that he's teaching in Santon on the kingdom of God. I've been following it weekly, and it's, it's literally been a, a source of tremendous encouragement and enlightenment to my own spirits. Okay, listen to me carefully. Follow me as I follow Christ. Do what I do and get the same results. Track the emphases that our patriarchal spiritual father is, is bringing to us. I make it easy for you. I make it available to you. So don't take what is precious and despise it. Right? Value it. Everyone say value it. And I guarantee you, you track that. You imbibe the word, you do it, your life will radically alter. A few weeks ago, I spoke about impartation through association. Remember? And I spoke about an overarching, predominant, prevailing grace that is over a people such that persons under that prevailing grace come into certain dimensions, not because of them, but because of what predominates over them. Right? So Samuel is able to prophesy amongst prophets. Why? Because he's amongst prophets. Prophetic spirit is the overarching predominant grace. So it radically alters his capacity, right? So I, I want to encourage you. Why is Moses able to lead 600,000 people plus for 40 years in hostile, arid, desert conditions and do that relatively successfully? Why? He is from the tribe of Levi, right? And so the Levitical anointing teaches the word Levi means to be attached, right? to connect. In the most arid, hostile conditions, this man is able to touch heaven, connect. So he's effective as a man because he learns how to access his tribal grace, which is Levi. Right? Moses, or rather Joshua, took 
after Moses, and he led them for how long? 30 years, right? His leadership was 30 years, his 10 year of leadership. And he was from which tribe? Ephraim. Why was he able to conquer and possess and take lands? What does his tribe mean? Doubly fruitful. So he was very prosperous. He takes land, takes possession. Joshua is, is successful because of the overarching predominant grace, right? Caleb, too, after Joshua, Caleb leads Judah in the last phase, the third phase of the conquest. Why is Caleb successful? Because he's from the tribe of? And Judah, amongst many things, means he who has skill in his hands to take enemies and whose hand is on the neck of his enemy. So here's a man who understands what overarchs him. Everyone just do this, right? You've got to get this, guys. Please, I stress it every week. You've got to get it. What is overarching me as a man? I, you see, Randolph doesn't stand in his own strength as, a, as an individual. I'm coming under a resident prevailing anointing that, that alters my effectiveness in the kingdom of God. What I'm suggesting to you, we relate to an apostle in the person of Pastor Thamo. For me, that's the predominant prevailing overarching grace that we've come into that's going to radically alter my effectiveness personally if I know how to connect and tap into that grace. Amen? So that is why I stress tracking and listening to him. Right? It's because you come into, you come, you, you, even this whole church is under that grace, by the way. Right? It's to whom we are accountable, to whom we are submitted. So when we come under that, it radically alters my effectiveness. Tell your neighbor, your success is not up to you. Not up to you. Why is David can take a sling and take down a Goliath? Why? From which tribe he is? Judah. What's the strength of Judah? He who has power in his hands. So that skill is not unique to David. It's unique to the tribe. Do you know in Judah and, and in some other tribes, the guys were highly skillful in warfare? Right? Highly. You, you track it throughout the, the, the Old Testament. Highly skillful in warfare. Right? All the kings, most of the good kings came from the tribe of Judah. These are kingly. They know how to take down giants. Not up to you, but if you learn how to position yourself under a resident grace, you will be radically transformed. Guarantee you. Right? Life will change right, forever. So there is six parts. He's still busy with the series, but I couldn't wait for the series. I was so blessed by listening to it. Usually we wait for Pastor Tamar to finish the whole series. We put it on one CD, make it available. But so on that, that CD is like a brayani I gave you. It's a miscellaneous. It's got a little bit of everything on, right? There's Sean's prophecy there. There's the first six parts of the kingdom of God. Then tracks eight and nine contain the two sessions that Pastor Thamo just released on Wednesday, this past Wednesday at POA. Let me tell you something, brethren. If you missed Wednesday, you've missed a moment in God. It's not my view only. This was the corporate testimony of people, that every, of everyone that was there. Right? Who was there on Wednesday? Let me see your hands. A few of you there, right? There was something, I can't explain it. It's beyond even the content of what was delivered. There was a texture in the atmosphere. There was an impartation that I know radically altered my life. The issues were Hebron, love. Everyone say love. love. Quinton mentioned a few things here. And oneness. Everyone say oneness. Right? And that was, you know what? It wasn't for a local church that. 
That was for the church in Durban. And we had key persons like Pastor Lafoy who came and he spoke and he greeted the, 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 the gathering. Pastor Jacob Isis, Dr. Seki Governor, made prayers and pronouncements that are going to affect the, the way God works in the city apostolically for the next few years. Right? I got up, I was comparing the meetings. So I got up at the end and I said this. Subsequent significant events in Durban apostolically are going to be referenced from this meeting. We will point back to this meeting and we will say it was there where the stirrings of this thing suddenly broke forth. Okay, now tell your neighbor, don't miss out. Come on. Uh, do this again. Come under. Say, come under. Yeah? So there, there's track eight and nine on there. Track eight and nine, the two sessions. Please listen to that. Then track 10. There are 10 tracks. I listened to a teaching by John Alley two weeks ago of his website. I track him often as well. So I love the spirit of fathering, fathering that he carries. And I learned much from, from him. And Pastor Thamo has connected with that apostolic stream. And again, now you'll, you'll see him next week. He's one of the speakers at ALS, right? And on his website, I saw this title under his section on fathering. Do we all need a spiritual father? And the, the, the topic sermon attracted my attention. Amongst many other things on fathering, he has there. Because it was, it was a question that somebody asked me literally in that week before, which I had a view on and I gave them an answer. So I was interested to see what is John Alley's take on this. Right? But, and I got, it was concurrent with my, my view, was the same, but I was so blessed by the delivery and the sense of impartation. Okay? So tell your neighbor, we all need a spiritual father. We all need it. Right? But you're going to be thoroughly, if you ever you wanted to know the kernel and the essence of true fathering, listen to track 10 on that CD. Nobody must leave. We made about 36 copies, one per family, okay? We'll have more next week, okay? Come on, tell your neighbors, good to be in the house this morning, yeah? Wonderful. Amen. The joy of the Lord is your? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Hallelujah. God is a good God. I'm going to continue now on the series on grace, the specific segment that we're dealing with in this part of that series is impartations of grace. This represents the fifth installment in this particular segment under the grace broad banner or broad theme or topic. I've spoken to you that impartation is a reality. That certain things you can get via impartation. One thing is given to you from God through another person to you. So it comes via the person and imparted to you. What things are impartable? Grace is impartable. Blessing, peace, mercy, spiritual gifts, healing. Is, all those things are impartable. And life itself is even impartable. The Bible says that Jesus is a life-giving spirit, and as he is, so are we in this world. So I can impart life and grace by the quality of my conversation. It's easy. It's all vested in how you speak. So if I speak or, or say something, vested in words is grace to be imparted to the hearers. So verses like uh, Ephesians 4.29 and also there's a verse in Colossians which say that we must be careful how we speak 
Because when we speak, watch, we communicate grace to the hearers. In the power of speech, in the power of utterance, spiritual reality or resource is communicated. So Jesus said, uh, life and death are in the power of the? The power of the tongue. He also said in John, the words I speak are spirit. Words are not, what you're hearing is not English. Right? I might be communicating in English to you, but in the realm of the spirit, I'm communicating spirit to you. It's only English to you because that's the intelligible language that you can comprehend. No matter what, what language I speak, if I'm a son of God, when I speak, I can communicate grace, life, peace, blessing. And I did an extensive teaching on this. I think it's part two in this, in this subsection of grace. Um, about the power of verbal pronouncements. When something verbally said, what's carried in there. If it is said from a pure vessel, sincere vessel, with great authority, and if the person to whom it is said is understandable and receptive enough of that reality, a spiritual transaction takes place. Everyone say spiritual transaction. Right? Now I can't tell you what this means to me. When something is imparted to you, it changes your standing. It changes your conditioning. I value walking with somebody. Everybody needs a spiritual father. Everybody needs someone to whom you're accountable, someone you can lay your life down, someone that can speak life, can speak direction, can put you on the right track, can configure your life and your passion, your destiny with, with accurate wisdom so that you can be all God called you to be and do all God called you to do. An affirmation of a father means world to me. Every son needs a father, but every son needs affirmation of a father that transforms his life forever. The father, the heavenly father said to the Lord Jesus, you are my son in whom I am. Every son needs to hear that from a father. It changes the son's configuration, the way the son operates. Okay? Be more aggressive in your pursuit of kingdom things. Without being ambitious, be aggressive. Time for dragging the feet is over. You know what some people? Got to be aggressive. You know what Jesus said in John chapter 4? He said, my meat is to do the will of my father and to finish. I want to do the will and I want to finish. So... Listen to me. I'm imparting something to you as I speak. I pray that same aggressive spirit be on all of you. I pray that the element of laziness and lethargy and, and, and deferment and postponement be extracted from your spirit. And you get intense about the kingdom things. Amen? Amen? Finish the work. You've got to finish the work. You know, we celebrate, most churches today are celebrating Resurrection Sunday. Do you know when he said on the cross, it is finished, it wasn't the first time he said that. When he prayed in the garden, you know what he said in the garden when he was praying to his father? Remember he said, if it's possible, take this cup of suffering? But what did he quickly say? He said, not my will, but thy, your will be done. 
in the garden, he said, he said, Father, I have glorified you on earth. And I have finished the work whereunto you have sent me. He had not really finished because on the cross it would be finally done. But already in the garden, what is he doing mentally? He's already living in the power of that moment before the moment is accomplished. If he did not hold the finish as a reality in his heart, he would not have experienced the finish actually with his life. You become whatever is within you. It must first be internalized as a done deal before it's actualized as a reality. So before he even is arrested, his words were, I have finished the work whereunto you have called me. In other words, before you finish, live in the power of the finish before you finish. Hallelujah. So, you know what? Everything, you can apply this principle variously to life. Anything you attain in life, before it's done, it's first secured internally. If it's in your mind, it's in your future. Tell your neighbor, if it's in your mind, it's in your future. Yeah? Right? So he lived in the power of the moment before he, he actually secured it. Right? So, these words spoken to me meant much to me. Through my engagement with someone that's able to direct my life. Jesus submitted himself to Mary and Joseph. And they, they, they put his life in proper order. Put his life in proper order. Take any person in the scripture, validly and majorly used by God. They always had someone to whom they were accountable. Always had someone speaking into their life. And they became all that they want, that they would become, because of their submission to that voice. Okay? Submission to that voice. What is Timothy without Paul? Who is Timothy without Paul? Take Paul out of Timothy's life. Timothy doesn't come to his fullness. You see, God has a plan, but God has principles to get the plan done. Right? God has your end, God has your destiny. But if you don't observe the principles by which God puts in place, those prin your, your destiny will be aborted. Right? Timothy had Eunice and Lois. Remember? His grandmother and his mother. Paul would say to him, from a little child, you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation. Did Timothy have a good background? Yes or no? He had a good upbringing. He was very privileged, Timothy was, to have a godly grandmother, to have a godly mother. You know what Paul said to him? Paul said, the faith the faith that dwelt in your grandmother, the faith that dwelt in your mother, I see it in you. Right? I see that faith in you. So he had a godly, goodly home, spiritual home. But also there was the presbytery that Timothy was submitted to. Paul would say to him, stir up the gift which is in you by the laying of my hands. And later you say the hands of the the elders of the presbytery, you got that gift when they laid their hands upon you, Timothy, and my hands too. The gift, I believe, was a ministerial gift of delegated apostleship. Timothy is identified as an apostle in the book of Thessalonians. Right? 
So you got that with the laying of hands. It was always set from time past, in eternity past, but activated, brought to the fore by a specific event called the laying of, of hands. So he's a goodly, godly home, right? Goodly, godly home. He has impartation by the laying of hands by the presbytery. But you know, he was also expected to be personally disciplined. What did Paul say to him? You stir up the gift of God that is within you, bro. <laughs> Tell your neighbor you. <laughs> I love the word you in the book of Timothy. You must read the second book of Timothy and the first book. And note every time Paul uses the word you, he's addressing his son personally. Okay? He said, but you, O oh man of God. You know, others are doing their thing, but not so for you. Keep yourself pure. Yeah. Right? And, and then... Remember, he said to him, do not be afraid. What was Timothy's biggest problem? Cowardice. Fear. Uh, intro. He was an introvert. He wasn't your public, overt, out there kind of a guy. He shied away from responsibility. Timothy, uh, Paul had to instruct him, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, Timothy, my son. Power and of a sound mind. So Timothy has godly parents. He's at laying on them hands, by presbytery, but he's got personal accountability and responsibility too. I want to say this to you, and I'm saying this as a caution from the Lord. Although you have these powerful factors in your life, you still have to be personally diligent. You still have to be personally responsible. You stir up, right? Study yourself to show yourself approved, my son. Right? doesn't take away your personal devotion and your personal involvement. And then obviously he had his association with his father in the Lord, the Apostle Paul himself. Okay? The things, my son, Paul said to him, you learned from me. I know you got Eunice. I know you got Lois. Grandmother, mother. You've been exposed to presbytery. I know I've challenged you about your personal devotion. But Timothy, don't take me out of the equation. There are stuff that you learn from me. The same commit that to faithful men that are able to teach others also. Amen. So I want to encourage you, value the input and the relationship that, to the person that God has placed in your life as a spiritual father. It's going to be critical, a critical factor to be all that God ever wanted you to be. It's the flow of impartation. Generational impartation of blessing is a biblical concept. God calls Abram as a father. Abram blesses Isaac. Isaac blesses Jacob. Jacob blesses the twelve. Remember Genesis 48? And, 49, and he prophesies. Everybody needs somebody. Everybody needs somebody to pour into their lives so that what God has effected in the one is carried through in the other, so that the other could mature it and express it to its maximum effect in his time, before he then subsequently passes it to the next. So Paul would say to Timothy, the things that you learn from me, commit that to faithful men, which are able to teach others also. So the flow of things, it came from Christ 
to Paul, to Timothy, to faithful men, to others also. Okay? Now remind your neighbor, you need somebody. Now, Mark 3 was a verse that we sounded for last week. I'm going to start there and just, because of time, there's a particular emphasis that I want to leave with you today. Mark 3, 13 and 14. I spoke last week about impartation through nearness, okay? Everyone say nearness, okay? He went up on the mountain and he summoned those who himself wanted to come. And, and they came to him. And he appointed 12 so that they would be with him. The New, King James says so that they may be near him or with him, okay? What was their appointment for? To be with him. Once they are with him, then the second part of this verse kicks in. He could send them out to preach. Okay? He could send them out to preach only once they are with him and have internalized all of the, the purposes attendant with being with him. Okay? So the priority was to be near him or to be with him. And I spoke at length about this last week. I don't want to go there now, lest I don't get to where I want to go today. I will encourage you, access via the website last week's teaching. I also said this to you, that in, in the book of Genesis 45, verse 10 and 11, Israel was summoned by Joseph to Egypt after reconciliation with the brothers and the father together with 70 individuals, came down. And he put them in the best land in Egypt called Goshen. Remember, Goshen was the most lush land in all of Egypt, right? What does Goshen mean? Drawing near. Everyone say drawing near. This word means drawing near. And what does he say? You shall be what? Come on, say it. You shall be near me. Was Did Joseph want his family the 70 of them, the whole clan, to be near him. Yes? Was it key to be near him? Was it important? Yes. Why? Their survival depended upon it. Right? He would give them favor and preferential treatment in a land. And I like this. The land Goshen meant drawing near. So when you live in a land that has a particular meaning, the meaning of that land becomes the prevailing disposition of you living in that land. Not so? You living in that land. So all of Israel were living in a land that defined their, them as persons, not so. Please remember this. Judah, and not only Judah, all of the 12 tribes of Israel were persons first. There was one man called Judah. And through his bearing of sons, he became a whole tribe. But when you read later on, there's a province called a land called Judah. What's the principle? What is true of the man becomes true of the people, which then becomes true of the land. The land takes on the prevailing character of the origin. So when I look at this and I say, Goshen, they live in a land whose predominant characteristic is, means, appro means approaching or drawing near. They which live in the land now are, are, are assimilated into whatever that land represents. Do you know what the meaning of priest is? Cohen, 
One of Andy's boys is Cohen. Cohen, priest, means he who draws near. If you are a priest, by definition, aren't you a priest? Come on, yes? All priests. By definition, don't think of a priest with a back-to-front collar. I'm not talking about a priest. Priest. The Bible says if you are saved, if you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a priest unto God. And by definition, you, when you say, I am priest, what you're saying is, I am one that draws near to God. Right? I am one that draws near to God. And so they have their favor and they have immunity. Why? Here's the key, guys. Here's the key. You shall be near me. Everyone say, you shall be near me. So God always puts a man in your life to be near. Got to be near someone, a grace carrier, an apostolic father in grace that grants you immunity. Please remember, this was the second year when this is taking place. This is the second year of the seven-year famine. There's still five years of famine. Remember the seven-year famine? Still five years of famine. But these people would be preserved and find immunity simply because... They are near to a Joseph. Amen? I want to say this to you very seriously. I don't have the time to illustrate this here, brethren. Dark times economically await the earth. You thought the last credit crunch was bad. Wait and see what happens in the future when God deals judgmentally with systems and men on the earth. And He usually deals with Deals with them through finances. Whenever God wanted to deal with the church or with certain wicked kings, he always sent famine. And famine, there was economic disaster. So the methodology of God in that respect has not changed for today. But every famine you study in the Bible, and there are several of them, throughout every single one, the people of God are always preserved. Amen? They're always kept. They're always sustained. Amen? And... Um, what is key is your observance of kingdom principles relative to that. One of which would be, make certain that you, although you are living in Durban, when that credit economic downturn happens, that your location, your domicile, is not really Durban City, but that you're part of the city of the living God. Revelation speaks, it says, the church is the city of the? It's a city within a city. This city is subject to economic trends and policies globally, as every other city or metropole is. But the city of the living God has its own unique system of economy and an insulation by God to preserve its citizenry. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah? The tabernacle will be, will be cared for. I wish I would do that teaching. In fact, I did it at Pastor Keats Church, the City of the Living God, at Lent, three, four sessions. I meant to upload it to my website, just haven't got around to it yet. But listen carefully. That city got four walls, remember? Four square. Foundations are apostles of the Lamb. So the wall speaks of apostolic principles. Three gates on each of the four walls, 12 gates surrounding the city. Each gate, the Bible says, is a tribal patriarchal father of each of the tribes so symbolically the gates represent fathering right so the gates are hung on walls have you ever seen a gate suspended without walls where do gates hang on so fathers are connected to apostolic grace right and they provide access into the city 
And by the way, there are no streets of gold in heaven. No, not one scripture can you find about streets of gold in heaven. The Bible is not speaking of heaven when it says that. It simply says Jerusalem is like a, a city descending. The church of God is a descending reality. right? And it says if you come to the great, you'll find a street, singular. No plural streets of gold. And the reference is not heaven. The reference is a descriptor of a reality within the church of the living God. And what is street depictive of? Come on, talk to me. What is street depictive of? Who is the way? Who is the truth? Who is life? Jesus. When he said, when the, and what is gold depictive of? What is gold? What's the meaning of gold in the Bible? Come on, talk to me. Divinity. The nature of God. So when it says one street of gold, it means that the patent son, Jesus Christ himself, becomes the template or the standard that anybody entering the city through a father, a gate, a father provides access into the nature of Christ that you can walk on, live in, and be protected by walls. In that economy, if you're living in that city, now, don't, we are, that city is the church. That's you and I. Tell your neighbor, we are the city of the living God. I can't tell you how important that is. Because when the cities of men, when human settlements are succumbed to economic judgment by God, the city within the city will be preserved. Amen. The city of the living God will be preserved in Durban City. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for the power of the cross? <laughs> Come on, aren't you glad you're saved? Yes, tell your neighbor we have immunity. Huh? The Bible says each gate was a pearl. Each gate was like a big pearl. And the merchant that found the pearl of great price, what did he do? Sold all he had, bought the field to get the pearl. Remember? Right? So find your pearl. Find your father. Hallelujah. Can I get to where we need to go? Okay. This message is going all over the place today. You know, uh, take this reference down if you're taking notes. I won't read it. So I want to get to something as we close. Uh, I need to close in the next 10 minutes because we're going to have two testimonies in a moment. Genesis 27, 22 to 29. 26. Here, yeah, Isaac wants to bless Jacob. Well, he thinks it's Esau. Isaac wants to bless the firstborn. Everyone say impartation. So there's a powerful graphic illustration of impartation. So his father Isaac said to him, please do what? What is the prerequisite for impartation? Nearness. Jesus ordained the twelve to be? Name. What did Joseph say to Israel? Come. You, the strength of what's imparted to you will be determined how proximate you are. How close you are. Amen. Don't be like Peter. The Bible says, and Peter followed afar off. Remember when Jesus was arrested and he was not willing to pay the price of following Christ at his most profound moment? Right? So tell you, don't be too far. And so I'm not talking physically. I'm talking about the state of your, the state of your heart. Amen? The condition of your, of your heart. His father Isaac said to him, please come close. 
and kiss me. Kiss me is a term or an expression of deep love and covenantal commitment. Covenantal commitment. Come close and kiss me. Right? You know, one of the ways you can exercise this practically, number one, be at every meeting. Make sure your attendance is regular. Right? Because importation happens within an environment. Right? It happens within a context. And so he came close and kissed him, and when he smelled the smell of his garments, he blessed him, and he said, See, the smell of my son is like the smell of the field which the Lord has blessed. Come on, I want to focus on this. He blessed him. He blessed impartation. But there's no impartation with being too, too far. Let me just mention it here quickly because I don't want to let you leave with, with the wrong um, impression. It actually has got very little to do with physical proximity. It's about a state of the heart. Yes, you must be physically present. Right? But Romans 10.8, just put it up. Romans 10.8 says, what does it say? The word is? Everyone say near you. So you are as near to your father as you are near to the word that he brings. The word is near you even in your, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That is why, you know, amongst all the things we do, for me, the making available of resources, of sermons, is something I rank very highly. What's my heart? What do I want you to be near? In your ear and in your mouth. I want you to access the word. The word is going to change you. The word is going to change you. That's the only thing. The word is the only thing that's going to change people. Amen. You hear that word? It transforms you. Impartation happens through the word. What did the woman with the issue of blood say? If I can only get to him. I'm tired of being here. I need to come. I just want to touch the hem of his garment. And that is a specific meaning which I'll explain next week. Time is against us. But this woman realized, where I am, I'm getting luto. I'm getting nothing. From this position, I'm going to do what it takes, break protocol, push my way through the crowds, crawl. She crawled, not so? Yeah. She was like, she had this issue of blood for how many years? 12 years, not so? But what, out of sheer desperation, she says, I'm pushing my way through. I'm going to come because I am desperate for virtue. When she touched Jesus, what did he say? Someone touched me. Someone here touched me. Were people touching him? Crowds were against him, wanting. But you see, there's that touch that unwells and earths something within Jesus, and there's a release. There are many people here today, listen carefully, but there are not many, a few of us maybe, drawing, uh, reaching out, receptive hearts. Yes, this is for me. I want more. Come on, is that you? I want more. This is for me. I'm going to grab every bit of grace I can. I want that. The realm of the Spirit operates by demand and supply. It will supply based on the level of demand. If there's no demand, there's no supply. Come ho, Isaiah 55. Everyone that is thirsty, come to the waters and drink without money. Pastor Thomas said the currency of the kingdom is hunger and thirst. 
If you are hungry enough for this, you will move heaven and earth to observe every principle or every protocol that will position you to access the grace. Right? By, by drawing near. Access the grace of God by drawing near. Amen. Now, remember, I will close. You know, I really haven't got to... Here's my sermon, this part. We haven't got there yet. Second Kings chapter 6. That is powerful. The sons of Elisha said to him, The place where we dwell with you is too small for us. We are going to take the initiative to enlarge this place. What is the place? The place of dwelling near to you. Right? Did Elisha receive double portion of Elijah? Yes or no? Yeah? Where exactly did that take place? Where? Come on, talk to me. Where? Which river? Jordan. Remember, Elisha followed Elisha through four locations. Remember we did this. The first one was what? Gilgal, Bethel, Jericho, Jordan. Where did the impartation take place? At, which, at the Jordan. What does Jordan mean? What does the word Jordan mean? Rapidly descending. Say, Jordan doesn't simply mean descending. It's rapidly descending. In other words, it depicts humility, but the quickness with which one comes to that state. If you can come quickly to you, you know, some of us are still full of expressions of pride, 50 of which we've prosecuted in this church. Remember we did 50? It took us quite a while to teach that. 50? The moment you can break your pride and come to humility, impartation takes place. Elijah, you know what, you know what the Bible says? When did this, he was whisked up in a chariot, Elijah was, and what did Elijah cry to him? My father, my Father, the horsemen, and the chariots of Israel, right? And he received the garment, double portion, right? Elijah's mantle represents his anointing. Mantles never leave the earth. The man was taken, but left his coat, right? Anointings never leave the earth. Anointings are transferred. Please hear he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to this house. Brethren, there's such a mantle of anointing coming to us corporately, you have no idea. Work with me and be aware of it. Be aware of it. It's coming. What is on one will be on another. Right? How many prophets were there? At the time, or other prophets, sons of the prophets, at the time of the double portion impartation. Fifty of them, not so present at this. There were a hundred sons later, but at least fifty sons of Elijah were present. Let me close with this verse because of time. Second Kings 2 7. Second Kings 2 7. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets went out and stood opposite them where? Here's the key word. At a distance, while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Elijah and Elisha by the Jordan, the place of humility, prepared for spiritual transactions to take place, while 50 away. A distance. The reason, part of the reason why Elijah gave double portion to Elisha, part of the prerequisite was proximity. Remember he said to him, if you see me when I'm taken up, you can get double of everything I have. 
And that degree of following well positioned Elisha to get double. Come on, are you going to follow more closely? Don't walk afar off. Amen. Are you going to plug in more to the sermons? Church, come on, talk to me. Are you going to listen more to the teachings? Are you going to be obedient? You are as near to me, your leader, as you are near to the word we preach. You must be near to the word we release. That's your proximity. And if you can remain there, I want to encourage you. There is no telling to the quantums of grace that will be bestowed upon you to make you successful in this life and age. Amen? And I want to encourage you. You know, we've held on for dear life to the word of God. Amid serious testings. Yeah? Yeah? God is restoring this house on so many multiple levels. Issues which I can't even explain to you. God is preparing us for major, major things to steward in the earth that I know. It's going to be multifaceted, variegated, various expressions of, of, of a thing. God is building a corporate house. I'll talk more about that when we talk about Second Kings 6 next week. Tell your neighbor it's a good day. It's a good day. I'm very excited about the future. Very excited. I'm even more excited that you are part of this house. I'm very excited. I speak that sincerely from my heart. I'm glad for the compliment of people we have here. And I'll show you next week how we're going to gather trees. Men. To increase the place of dwelling. So the nearness. Everyone say nearness. Uh, as you leave today, nearness must be the buzzword. I'm going to dwell near the source from which I derive wisdom, grace, input, teaching. Stuff is going to come to me by virtue of how I am positioned. Amen. Lift up your hands. Thank you, Father. While your hands are lifted up, I'm just quoting Ezekiel 44.30 says, God says to the priests, but you priests, the sons of Zadok that kept my charge, or the charge of my sanctuary, when Israel went astray, you will come near to me, you will approach me, and you will minister unto me. Priesthoods always approach, and they come near to God. Firstly, I want to I say to you, never lose your drawing near to your Father, your Heavenly Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, and by His Spirit. Come near. Observe your times of prayer, Bible study, and personal fasting. Always draw near. They observed Peter and John. They were learned, unlearned and ignorant men, but they took note of them that they had been with Jesus. Be with Jesus. Secondly, stay close to your leader. Stay close to your apostolic spiritual father as well. Be close to your father locally. That's me in this context. But realize that we have an overriding fatherly, patriarchal grace to which we also related. Stay close to these things. Stay close to these things. There are impartations that happen and reconfigure your whole mindset and, and effectiveness for God. I bless you on the Lord's behalf. Come on, lift up your hands for the blessing. Bless you on the Lord's behalf. I speak life to you in the dead, deadened areas of your life and destiny. I pray the peace of God be over you. I pray it will be well with you in every respect. I pray the love of your Father, of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
by the power of the Holy Spirit, overwhelm all of you even now. I confirm again, it will be well with you in times of global economic disaster. I confirm again that the Lord your God will take care of you. He will preserve you. He who keeps Israel neither sleeps nor slumbers. He will not allow your foot to be dashed against the ground. I bless you on behalf of God. So I pray great grace and peace be amplified in your, in your life in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord bless you and your family. May a blessing abide over your family, over all your children. May, may, they, may they come to fullness in every respect. I pray nothing but richness, productivity, fruitfulness. I pray that the Lord restore your joy for some of you that have lost it. I pray you would laugh again. You would enjoy life and be happy. The Lord says He wants you happy. May the joy of the Lord be restored back to you again. May you live life on purpose. May you live in the power of your finish even before you arrive there. I declare unto you, it is done. It is done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Amen. amen.